Welcome to Dubai Dreams, the show where we make dreams come true simply by inviting our guests to share their inspirational life stories and challenging them to change just one individual's life in Dubai. All our guests have one thing in common. They came to Dubai with a dream in their backpack and then went on to making that dream a reality. We believe that their stories will inspire others. So we go deep and uncover all the highs and the lows of their unique journeys. And we don't stop there. We challenge our guests to change just one person's life by offering a deserving listener a unique opportunity inspired by their personal journeys. I'm Priya and I'm Gaurav. So let's dive right in. Get inspired and make dreams come true right here on Dubai Dreams. Our guest today is a whiz at numbers and his own professional stats confirm that he has cracked the formula to success. He has written 8 books, has 3 bachelor degrees, 2 masters and a PhD. His very first book sold 2.7 million copies. He's traveled to over 50 countries, given more than 500 lectures, attended by over a million people. He was only 19 and the youngest ever to qualify for the million dollar round table and by 28 was the youngest to be made a life member now at 37 he's writing his ninth book and is enrolled for his seventh degree he's the money man that started his career as a rookie in insurance and today runs his own international investment company and is financial advisor and investment coach for clients all over the world join me in giving a warm welcome to the man who calls himself a full-time student and part-time businessman sanjay tulani hey hi sanjay hey what's up How are you doing? Good. <laughs> so, you're good at numbers, yeah? Can you tell us the sum total of all the numbers which Priya just mentioned? <laughs> Bro, I'm not as good as that, you know what people think. So, let me actually clarify. I'm actually scared of numbers, right? So, uh when I got into this whole field of finance, uh they told me Sanjay you have to be very good with numbers. And I realized in today's generation we don't have to be good with numbers. the computers do that for us when someone says oh i'm a whiz with numbers the reality is mm-hmm. i just love interpreting what numbers tell me yeah but you're still pretty good at numbers that was rain man still yes absolutely <laughs> okay uh let's let's go back a little bit to the early days right so you are a dubai kid you'd call yourself a dubai kid you grew up born in dubai born in dubai right born in dubai been here all born my in life dubai, yeah. born in dubai and uh, you started very early you joined your family business you joined your dad and uh, from there all of a sudden at 19 you were part of something which sounds very exclusive uh, called the million dollar round table so tell us about how did you get into this okay so um it's every financial advisor's dream to be a member to the million dollar round table right, right? so ever since i was a kid uh, dad's been a member for many many years so ever since i was a kid just knowing that mdrt is the pinnacle the million dollar round table is what you want to achieve okay um how do you get there what do you have to do so there are qualification that you require to achieve um these are based on your business numbers so it depends on how much business you have done your reputation so there are a couple of qualifications but the majority is how well have you run your own business uh, as an individual so it's not based on teamwork it's based on your individual effort okay and you would qualify to mdrt as a person not as a company So every person who is a member of MDRT as an individual is a very successful financial professional. So if you want to find out who is a successful financial professional, ask them are they members of MDRT. And this is global, it's a global It's a global organization. Right, okay. We've got members all over the world. So 
that was what I wanted to be, right? So become the member of MDRT. Is there a number? Like you have to sell a million dollar investment? Is so it used work? to be, so when it started, mm-hmm. uh, this was in the early 1900s, uh, 1930s, um, you had to do a million dollars of life insurance okay. to be able to qualify. Okay, that's it. how the name came. That's how the name came. So right. you had done at least a million dollars in life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that qualification has changed over the years and every year they revise that qualification to make it more apt to the current relevant market. So every year there's an adjustment to the qualifications. And once you qualify, you have to continue qualifying every year to maintain that title. Starts from zero. Yeah, you start every year, 31st December, boom. End, 1st January, brand new. So every year you're restarting that clock and saying, can I qualify to be MDRT this year? Okay, and you've been uh, part of this for... Now, this is my 17th year. So I've qualified 17 years in a row. Without any years off? Without any years off. That's how you get the life membership? So 10 years, you become a life member. After that, you don't have to qualify. Okay, okay. But after that, you have to... So there is a life member is someone who can attend the MDRT meetings, but cannot call themselves an MDRT member. Oh. So they're not a qualifying member. Because they haven't qualified. So if you want to continue, you can be a life member, which means I'm a life member, I'm always there. But if you say I'm a qualifying life member, that has a lot more value. So we already, in the industry, we know who is a qualifying life member, who's a life (laughs) member. And these are publicly uh, open statistics, right? So it's open to everyone to find out. It also changes the way financial professionals work. Mm. Because how do I know you're a good doctor, bad doctor? How do I know you're a good lawyer, bad lawyer? How do I know you're a good chartered accountant, bad chartered accountant? So every industry will have certain standards. In our industry, one of the benchmarks is MDRT. So MDRT allows you to set a benchmark that, okay, I'm one of the top advisors in my country, in my region, in in the continent, in the world. So it also gives you that. Now, MDRT actually has three levels. So the level one is MDRT. Now, if you achieve three times the qualification, Mm -hmm. you become something called court of the table, which is COT, which is three times the MDRT qualification. Mm -hmm. Now, if you achieve six times the qualification, you become something called top of the table. So I became the youngest top of the table member as well. Wow. The youngest, huh? (laughs) What age was that? I was 21. Oh, wow. When I became that. And uh, I also became the youngest top of the table life member. So what were we doing when we were 21? <laughs> w- weren't you weren't you partying and having fun? I know. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's why I said, you know, I'm a full-time student. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it only means I still party that much. Uh, Sanjay, before we get into uh, the specifics of, you know, countries and this, uh, you were doing so well, you know, as in insurance, right? Qualified as the youngest member. Most people would say, this is what I'm good at. I'm going to stick at it. I'll climb this narrow uh, career path. But you didn't do, do that. You went on, you took your firm global, you turned author, you were sales coach, lecturer. I mean, was there a pivoting moment in your life that made you make this change and, you know, just only from insurance and explore all these different areas? So one, you know, they keep talking about this work-life balance, right? Um, so it came down from that, that how much time do I spend working and how much time do I spend in actually building myself as an individual? Again, something that I learned from MDRT, so I can't take credit for this, but there's something called the whole person concept. In the whole person concept, you're supposed to be spending your time on seven aspects of your life. Uh, One is education. Two is your business. Three is your financials, your own personal financials. Number four is your family. 
Number five is spirituality. Mm-hmm. Number six is charity work that you do. Mm-hmm. And number seven is work that you do for society. Wow, that's beautifully covered. I was trying to see which area, but it does cover everything. So it is what we call mm-hmm. the whole person concept. So my first book, I truly wrote for my son. Let me be very honest. Yeah, and that's when your first book was out. And was it's out. got a very, very interesting title, yes. which is the number 28,000, 28, correct? Yes, that's it. I'm sure the first thing is, question you get is, what is this? What is 28,000? 28,000 is the average number of days a person lives. The average? The average. Okay. The average number of days a person lives, uh, which is a pro- which is equal to 76.71 years. So from a insurance perspective, that is what we call average life expectancy. Okay. We expect people to live up to the age of 76. Um so we take it, we round it off to the nearest number, which is 80. Um, and that's how I wrote this first book. And I broke it into four chapters. Chapter one was talking your first phase of life, which is 0 to 20, mm-hmm. uh, where you're studying, playing. Then chapter two is 20 to 40, the second phase of your life, where you get your first job, you buy your first car, you buy your first house, get married, have children. Yeah. 40 to 60, your third phase of life, where your kids are now ready to finish their first part of life. You've got some assets on your side. Yeah. Uh, you've probably started a business if you have left your job or you've moved up in your career Mm -hmm. and then the fourth phase of life which is 60 to 80 is where you want to retire Mm -hmm. now out of the four phases two phases which is 0 to 20 and 60 to 80 you actually have no income you're not working Mm -hmm. that's why they're the most fun that's why they're the most (laughs) fun somebody else is doing it for (laughs) you someone else is doing it for you exactly Mm -hmm. so there are two phases of life where you're working and you can so that's 14,000 days so 28,000 Divide by two. You've got 14,000 days to achieve all your dreams. When you put it like that, it sounds like you've just taken away half your life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's pretty much what's gone, right? <laughs> and when you see it visually, yeah. it changes your entire perspective about what you're trying to do in life. Yeah. And um, that's why I wrote that book. So chapter one is phase one. Chapter two is phase two. Chapter three is phase three. Chapter okay. four is phase four. And that's pretty much the book. Okay, so it gives you advice on... On how each to phase. handle each phase how of to your life. Each phase. All pretty right. cool. Okay. Pretty cool. So, Sanjay, you know, finance is such a vast subject, but today on this show, we specifically want to focus on four areas that most people struggle with, yeah? And struggle in making the right decisions savings, investments, insurance, and retirement. And I think one of the reasons that they struggle is there seems to be no thumb rule to follow. You know, you ask one person for investment advice, they'll say brick and mortar. You ask another person, they'll say, no, let's just do fixed deposits. It's extremely safe. So I'd like to tackle them one by one. So let's just start with savings. What is the thumb rule? What percentage of your income should you be saving? So you're absolutely correct. You know, our biggest concern today is when it comes to uh, finance or money management, we haven't been given rules of thumb. So, for example, how much cash should I hold? Right. That's that's one of the biggest questions everyone has asked me is, Sanjay, how much cash should I hold in my current account or my savings account? Liquid savings. Liquid yeah. sa- no, not liquid savings, liquid cash. Liquid cash. How much right. cash should I hold in my hand? Because we've got access to credit cards. You see, again, um, there's theory and there's practice. Um, <clears throat> from a theoretical perspective, we all have access to credit cards at any given point of time. However, we always tend to use our credit cards almost to the brim, almost everyone. And the reason is because it's easy cash to us and we know the money is kept in the account. Mm-hmm. So we end up using it. Mm-hmm. So again, when it comes down to how much cash I should hold, which is not available on my credit card, okay. 
because that's a different question because otherwise I'll end, that credit card gets used almost every month and every month I'm just paying that bill off and clearing my credit card some people say Sanjay I use my credit card like a debit card which is okay but you're still using the cash in your account so it's not cash that's available that's not to you. cash that's available correct yeah. so let's talk about cash that should be available to you now the rule of thumb on this is six to nine months of expenses and the very simple reason is, let's say you lose your job. Mm-hmm. It can take anywhere between six to nine months to find another job. Okay. Now, can I already have six to nine months kept aside? No, mm-hmm. you have to build it up. Mm-hmm. So let's say I start working today, mm-hmm. right? I get, I'm a 20-year-old, I've got my first job. Mm-hmm. I need to start putting that money aside, yeah. money that will slowly build up mm-hmm. to six to nine months. So it's something that my grandmother taught me, right? If we go back, Again, let's go back a few hundred years. It allows you to understand the concepts. When we used to get a bag of rice in the house, she would remove one fist of rice from that and put in a pot. Mm -hmm. And I would see that every time she got a bag of rice. So I asked grandmom, I was like, grandmom, why do you do this? And she's like, what if one day the bag doesn't come? Mm -hmm. We always have this pot to fall back on. Mm -hmm. I was like, so how much should you keep putting in that pot? And she's like, what I do is I take one fist of rice and I put it in the pot. And I said, how many pots like this do you have? And she's like, you don't need more than one pot. (laughs) Because that's enough. So once this pot is full, I just keep that pot aside and we assume that that pot doesn't exist and now we can eat 100% of the rice. So that's your liquid savings. So she's like, that pot Hmm. has a rule of thumb. Hmm. So the same thing with cash, six to nine months of expenses. Hmm. Once you've kept that aside, you don't know to keep re-looking at it again and again. Okay. It's just there. You know that. Mm-hmm. But it's money that you're not supposed to be having on your credit cards, your debit card. No, no, no. It's money that just stacked away. It's available, but don't touch it. It's not supposed to be touched unless you lose your job. Yeah. Or you have a very bad year in business. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say I have a very bad year in business. Mm-hmm. I can't be removing money from my business in a bad year. Mm-hmm. Because I still have to pay my expenses, right? So I'm buying time for my business to also catch up which usually takes six to nine months. So it's about putting that money aside. So that's the first rule of thumb on how much cash I should hold. The second rule of thumb that comes up is how should I budget myself? Um, Budgeting is one of the most important aspects of uh, financial planning. Something my granddad did with me. So everything I'm sharing with you is personal, right? My granddad told this to me when I just joined the business. I was a very aggressive kid. And he knew that I like to spend money. But he put me on a rule. He put me on an 80-20 rule. He said, Sanjay, I'm going to give you a salary, $1,000, okay? Which was a lot of money for me as a 17-year-old. $1,000, I'm going to give you $1,000. The rule is, you have to spend 80% and you have to save 20%. I was like, you mean I have to spend 80%? He's like, yeah. Now, most people will say, save six, save 40%, right. save 60, yeah. or spend 60, save 40. My granddad said, you have to spend 80%. <laughs> I said, okay, so I spent the 80%. First month, okay. Second month, one year passed, nothing happened. I was enjoying my life because I was spending 80%. I was living with my parents. I had nothing else no, to save for, yeah. but I was saving 20%. So $1,000, I was saving $200. I was spending $800 every month. A year later, granddad called me. He's like, I'm increasing your salary to 2000 Wow, you gave you a raise. Yeah. <laughs> so now your salary is 2000 I said, fantastic. With the same rule, 80-20. So I have to spend 1600 every month and I have to save 400 every month. 400 was easy to save. 
sixteen hundred, but now I was eating at a five star hotels. I was basically living the dream. Let me be very honest. I was living the dream. Whatever I wanted to spend on, I was spending on. He realized I was enjoying my life. So third year, he increased it to three thousand. He said, "Now three thousand." I said, "Okay." The rule is still the same. He said, "Absolutely the same, eighty twenty." And I said, "Okay." So how much was I saving now? I was saving six hundred, and I was spending two thousand four hundred. First month, I spent two thousand four hundred. Second month, I spent two thousand four hundred. Third month, I could not spend two thousand four hundred. I could not. I mean, what else will I spend it on? I was already eating the best. I was traveling the best. I was doing everything already what I wanted to do. So I went back to Granddad and I said, Granddad, I actually can't spend the eighty percent. And he's like, done. I was like, yeah, done. He's like, now how much can you save? I was like, I can barely spend eight hundred this month. And he's like, I'm happy. Now you understand. You see, what happened was he killed all my desires. He gave me everything, so he killed everything. I once you have been there, done that, you lose the charm of it. So till you haven't got it, you're always craving for it. But once you have it, you're like, he killed that for me as a child. I ended up now today. I probably save more than sixty percent because I don't need to spend it on anything. What do I spend it on? So he said, you will come a point in life, and he taught this to me. He said, keep the eighty twenty rule till the point where you reach in life where you say, I can't spend anymore. You will automatically increase your savings. Mm. Actually, thought it to simplify your life in a very indirect way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the same thing that I tell today to people. I say we follow the eighty twenty rule, but that eighty percent is also broken into two parts. We break that into fifty thirty. So fifty percent should go towards your basic needs, your your rent, uh, your car expenses, all your basic needs, your food, utility, etc. Should be in that fifty percent. Thirty percent are all the luxuries, which is Eating out, movies, um, taking your friends out, throwing a party—that comes in that thirty percent. Twenty percent is money you never touch. Okay. Mm. That is money you never touch. Mm. Period. You just keep it aside. So fifty, thirty, twenty. Fifty, thirty, twenty. It still comes to the eighty, twenty rule. Correct. Yeah. So nothing's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But once you have done. Once you spend fifty percent, and you still you have got now you know that now if you're spending more than fifty percent on your basic needs, mm. we already have a budgeting issue. Okay, that's how you know that you're already in deficit. You're you're living beyond your means. You're living beyond your means. Mm. You have either not or you're not in the right profession. You have not chosen the right career. So it's time to relook at your career. It's time to relook at your job. It's time to relook at. So it's about finding out: Am I in the right job? Not yes. Uh, if I am, so I would look at my peers, right? If I'm in the right job, and I'm spending more than fifty percent of my basic needs, I've got something going wrong. Mm. So if my peers are earning the same amount of money, now if they are also living out of means, doesn't make doesn't mean that you have to live out of your means. Mm. Yeah. Peer pressure. Yes. Mm. Financials. One of the biggest things that hits your pocket is peer pressure. Mm. My friends are doing it, so I gotta do it. Keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, and you end up spending more than you can actually afford. Especially when you're partying every week, right? So every Thursday I need to go. So out. you're saying this formula for budgeting can actually apply to any level of income. Any level of income. They can make it work for them if they stick within these things. It should work for somebody earning three thousand dirhams a month. It doesn't matter. Thirty thousand should still play within these rules. Yes. 
Okay. But the, so some days, if they have a problem and they think they're not, you know, they're barely making ends meet. So it's a budgeting problem. It is usually a budgeting problem. Okay. Um, the or the other thing that they have not taken into account is the other people who are dependent on their income. Mm-hmm. So they end up transferring their money to other countries. Mm-hmm. So what we've realized is a lot of people uh, send money back home yes. to support families. Yes. Now you have to keep that in mind that when I look at from a budgeting perspective. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking care of two families, which means I have to sacrifice something. So the fifty percent is not really my needs. It's kind of from my savings going out to 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 so sustain. So now, the fifty percent is something that I will spend anyways, right? Yeah. So it comes down to what can I do with the balance thirty, because thirty percent is my luxury money. Okay. Now if I have someone dependent on me, mm, then you got to sacrifice. You sacrifice your luxury. Even that, okay. you sacrifice your luxury because you've got someone else dependent on you. Right. Now, a lot of people don't realize that they have assets mm. back home. Mm. Are those assets working for them? Mm. They might have a house. They might have a property. Mm. Things that they have not been using to their advantage. Mm. The other problem in Dubai is easy access to liability. Mm. It's very easy for us to get loans. Mm. Absolutely, right? Especially yeah. if you're employed. Yeah. Self-employed, tougher to get a loan. Mm. But if you're employed... Mm. It's easier for you to get a loan. Sure, yeah. They keep calling you saying we'll give you 25 times your salary. Correct. Because they expect you to be on a 24-month contract anyways. Right. Yeah. So you we all have a 24-month contract when we are employed. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the probability of your employer cutting it halfway is very low. Mm. For a very simple reason, the visa expenses are so high mm. that we'll actually drag you through those two years. Mm. Unless you've really messed up. Yeah. Right. So... We have that freedom of flexibility to choose that. And that's why it's easier access to credit. To, to circle back, uh, Sanjay, you, rule gave of us, thumb. you, guessed, you gave us an excellent rule of thumb uh, for savings. All right. Can we ask the same for investments? Is there a uh, you know, balanced portfolio? Is, 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 okay. Um, so when it comes to rules of thumb, let's do insurance first is the easiest fair, part. Fair, yeah. So for insurance, there are two rules of thumb. Number one is life insurance. I've always been asked this question, Sanjay, how much life insurance is good and how much life insurance yeah. is bad? Um, and the rule of thumb for life insurance is 10 times of your annual income. So the amount of life insurance you should buy is equal to 10 times of your annual income. So let's say I'm earning 10,000 dirhams in a month, that in a year I'm earning 120 multiplied by 10. So I should be having 1.2 million dirhams of coverage of life insurance coverage. And the simple reason for that is statistically, we found out that every family Mm -hmm. that loses a breadwinner Mm -hmm. takes 10 years to be able to find stability Mm -hmm. in the event they lose their breadwinner. So 10 years is the good number. Now, 10 years is again the rule of thumb. It could be 7, it could be 15. But 10 is a good number to look at for yourself. So let's do a DIY right now. If I was doing DIY and I had to give you rules of thumb, right? Do it yourself. Number one, life insurance, 10 times of your annual income. Income protection. So in case you lose your job due to an illness, uh, some people call this critical illness. So critical illness insurance, you should have five times of annual income. Now, if you have a very professional job and it's very difficult for you to find an alternative job, you would probably need seven times, right? But the ballpark, is five. It usually takes you five years to come back to work if you do fall ill seriously. Um, So that's the second rule of thumb. The third rule of thumb is how much money should I save for my retirement? Now again, the rule of thumb for that is roughly 20%. 20% 20 of your annual uh, annual income. Okay. 
Mm. Monthly sticking annual. Sticking to the 50, 30, 20. Correct. 20 yeah. Sticking to the 50, 30, 20 rule, you should be saving around 20%. 15 is already good. But if you're on the older side, which means if you have crossed 40, if you're below 40, 15 is okay. If you have crossed 40, you should be saving 20% because you just don't have that much time or postpone your retirement it's as simple as that so if you start taking life insurance first of all should you start buying life insurance really early is there an age that you need to start buying it your first income the first very first income now okay. um, actually you should be life buying life insurance literally even for your children because if you think about it they will buy when they grow older yeah, yeah? and anyways you're leaving gifts for them why not just leave a life insurance for them anyways because they will buy it anyways when they grow older. Mm. And it's always cheaper when you're born. Mm. Mm. The cheapest life insurance is when you're youngest. Mm. Life insurance is only based on two factors, health and age. Mm. Yeah. And both of these are the best, best yeah, when you're born. Yeah. Mm. When, when, you, when you give advice to people, right, depending on their age group, I'm sure you there's a different way of getting the message across, right? Now for yeah. millennials, you know, you've heard the term YOLO. Right, <laughs> you only live once. Yeah, yes. yeah. What, how do you how do you communicate to a millennial audience about such? First of things? all, uh, I I want to correct the term YOLO. Right, I want to call it YODO. YODO. Yeah, you only <laughs> die once. <laughs> you live every day, but you only die once because of two reasons. Number one, uh, the YOLO concept has forced us to spend more money today and forego our future. So that's what YOLO concept is. That you only live, live once. For today. Let's live for today. We'll figure out tomorrow right. when we get to tomorrow. However, that's not true. And that's the new mantra. What we realize is we're moving into an era of hybrid retirement. Now, hybrid retirement is a phase which starts around the age of 35 and goes on till the age of 75. Yeah. So what you're saying is all these characteristics of retirement don't need to be in a traditional sense only you on don't need one to wait. day. Yes. Yeah, you, you don't can, need to it wait. It doesn't have to. You, can you don't have to gradually... You don't have to get to a certain age in life to say, I'm going to retire at 65. Correct. Right? So we are moving into an era of hybrid retirement. From the age of 35 till the age of 75, Yeah, you are already doing all of this. So you could already be taking a day off, take one more day off for charity, take another day off for traveling a little bit more, take a day off to spend more time with your kids, take a day off to spend time with your mom and dad, grandparents, uncle, aunt, whoever you're missing. You can take a day off because you know your work doesn't stop. And that's why coming back to work-life balance is very important. We don't have to do work-life balance anymore. Again, 100 years ago, people worked a lot. And they, their bosses would tell them maintain a work-life balance by sending them home early. Today, you come back home early, you still have your phone. <laughs> but so that, in fact, is a problem. Work-life balance, I think, is the biggest problem today, right? So today, it's How? not about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. It's about work-life harmony. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding mm-hmm. that your work and life will always be together. Mm-hmm. And the quicker you have this conversation at home, yeah. the faster your family will adapt to it. Mm-hmm. There will be work-life harmony requirement. You will be required to answer certain things instantly. Mm-hmm. There are some things that you have to also remember that just because you have received an email doesn't mean you have to reply immediately. Mm-hmm. Right? But we always like to have zero. Yeah. Right? In terms of messages. Messages or, yeah. or unread yeah. messages. Correct. Or emails, yeah. Because that's how we have been geared. That if I have something, I would rather do it before it goes onto my to-do list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's about prioritizing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone always, uh, this is something that I was asked many times. 
Sanjay, time is a limited commodity. Mm-hmm. It's not. Time is a constant. Mm-hmm. We all have 24 hours every day. Mm-hmm. It's a constant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a limited commodity because it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. Every day you have 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Every day you have 24 hours. So it's an unlimited commodity. It's not a limited commodity. Mm-hmm. But it is a constant. That means it doesn't change. Every day you will have 24 hours. So today, at the same time, you will have another 24 hours. So 24 hours is time. Question is your attention span. What are you going to give your attention to? What are you going to do in those 24 hours? That is the important thing. So the attention that you will give, will you give that attention to your kids? Will you give that attention to your family? Will you give that attention to your work? Will you give that attention to your health? Will you give attention to your education? Will you give... Finding a balance in that is... Correct. It's fine. And again, not balance. Mm. It's finding harmony. Because again, when we study, right? So we keep telling our children, go and study. But the mind should also agree for them to study. Sometimes you have to force your mind to do things. And that's why prioritizing things makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So again, something that my father made me do when I was 17. He made me write down the 10 things I want to get in life. Very easy. That was the easiest thing for me to do. Write down the 10 things I want to get in life. Mm -hmm. I wrote it and I came back to him. I was like, Dad, that's my list of 10. And I thought he was going to give it to me because the next few weeks later was my 18th birthday. (laughs) <laughs> okay. so I thought he'll give it to me all yeah. 10 <laughs> yeah all 10 yeah, you. optimistic <coughs> very, you, uh, I was yeah. born very, very positive so I told him this is my list of 10 hmm. he's like fantastic how are you going to get it I was like I thought you were going to give it to me. <laughs> uh, he's like no you figure it out tell me how you're going to get it hmm. and I was like I don't know and he's like go ask your uncle go ask granddad go ask people around you hmm. on how you're going to get it hmm. and he made me chalk out a plan so it took me 3 weeks hmm. Uh, to chalk out a almost a time plan when would when yeah, achieve what, what when I want to achieve what and what you would have to do what I would have to do and I tried to figure it out to be very honest it was really blur mm-hmm. uh, but it was a good start so I came back to him after three weeks and I said dad I've got this and he's like well done mm-hmm. now there are two rules to this rule number one this list of ten mm-hmm. should never become nine mm-hmm. okay rule number two this list of ten should never become eleven I was like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. He's like, if you want something Mm -hmm. that is not on this list, Mm -hmm. if you add it to this list, you have to remove something. Ah, Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. makes sense. Now, if you achieve something from this list, Mm -hmm. add something into this list. Mm -hmm. So this list of 10 should never become 9. If you achieve something, add something into it. That's a lot of wisdom right there. List of 10 should not become 11. If you want to get something more, yeah, remove something from the list. Want too much because then yeah, you yeah. get lost. Yeah. It's again about <coughs> how you focus your time. Priorities. Right? Yeah, priorities. So he taught yeah. me how to keep dreaming mm. and he taught me how to prioritize mm. with something as simple as a list of 10. Mm. Nice exercise. Yes, a very cool good exercise. exercise. Yeah, it's a very simple exercise because we can even do this with children who yes, are 7, 8, yes, 10, 8 years yes, old. Yes, yeah. 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 Right? So you can even teach them right from a very young age how to prioritize and how to figure out once they've achieved something, how they're going to get it, how, what, teach them how to dream no, as well. I'm quite excited. I'm going to go home and try that. I've got two teenagers. It's, it'll be interesting. <laughs> and maybe review their lists when they're 21 and see <laughs> how, how they're doing. So uh, coming back to uh, in investments, Ajay, if I manage to save that 20%, yep. okay, how can I make it you know, grow best for me? I mean... The first rule for investment mm-hmm. is never invest in something you don't understand. Okay, 
for a very simple reason just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good and just because your friends are doing it doesn't make it better uh we have one of the biggest concerns in investment which is what we call the herd mentality everyone's doing it i should be doing it and we live again in another thing uh, which is you know missing out on the fun so mm. everyone says oh fomo <laughs> fomo right so the fear of missing out yeah we have that issue and um we have to always remember your money is your money no one else cares if you make money on it or lose it mm. no one comes and checks your bank balance and if you have a low bank balance no one comes and tops it up mm. if you have a high bank balance no one comes and removes from it mm. right so it's your money it's your personal thing uh just because someone else is doing it doesn't make it right just because someone else is not doing it doesn't make it wrong always find out what's right for you so take a very personal approach take a very 100% personal approach educate yourself before getting into something educate read about it there's mm. i mean today we live in a generation where mm. information is at our fingertips yes. true right if someone tells me sanjay i don't know about this you're just telling me you're lazy is there a rule of thumb like 30% equity 30% debt is there a rule of thumb for a balanced portfolio There is a rule of thumb for a balanced asset mix. So if I looked at my balance sheet, right? There is a rule of thumb. Uh for property, it is between 30 to 40% of your net worth. This includes the house you live in. A lot of people remove that from their balance sheet. They say, "Oh, my house should not be part of my personal balance sheet." Very wrong. I promise you, your children don't like your house. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I already promise you that. We did a study. Um 87% of children will sell the house oh, that wow. they inherit that high yeah and they usually don't sell it is because they don't get the right buyer mm. i was it's very interesting i was sitting with a with a real estate investor he's a fantastic guy mm. and i was asking him i said when is the right time to buy and when's the right time to sell mm. he said the right time to sell i can tell you and i was like what's that he's like when you find a buyer <laughs> yeah. the right time to sell a house is when you find a buyer it's not about when the market is high when the market is low because when the market is high you don't have buyers in the market when the market is low you don't get the right price right right so somewhere is going to meet so when you find the right buyer and you feel that's the right price you sell it period right don't get greedy about it and make that call Um, so today's generation no sentiment attached no no they don't hold on to property the problem the reason is because uh, you know the the houses don't live with us that long uh, we tend to not like to live in the same place too long we are moving countries we are we are we are living in a very globalized era where we want the freedom to be able to live anywhere in the world and that's why uh, things like airbnb work so well from a financial perspective ownership of assets is good but would you rather have assets or income i want you to think about this very carefully there has always been a a judgment call that the more assets you have the richer you are now i'm going to put a very theoretical question before we come to the practical the theoretical question is would you prefer to have 10 million dollars in cash right now or a million dollars every year for the rest of your life i would take the 10 million and i would take a million so <laughs> Now, two very fundamental short term versus long term thinking. <laughs> no, two very fundamental different thought processes. You believe with that 10 million you can earn more than a million a year. Mm, yes. mm. That's your thought process. Mm. Yeah. Her thought process is if I'm getting a million a year, how much more can I make with that 10 million? Mm. True. Mm. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So the question is what do I do with that 10? Mm. Now, yes. 
with that 10 you are looking at how much more you can make correct so you're looking at that 10 becoming 20 so you're looking at what we call asset appreciation what she's looking as income flow mm. Mm. so this is what I call the flow of water now I've done this uh, presentation at some of the largest conferences in the world so I'm going to share this in verbal to you it's very simple a presentation imagine there's a lake on top of a mountain right the lake flows into a river the river goes and joins the ocean the ocean evaporates rainfall happens again there's a lake somewhere created on top of another mountain there's a river comes Same and joins cycle. the ocean and there's the flow of water now let's say you are the lake of your family you're the reservoir you're creating a stream of income the river of income your river of income is growing your ocean of wealth your ocean of wealth will evaporate and become the lake for your next generation. And they will again have a stream of income from it, which will again create their ocean of wealth. Now let's say as a generation, you say, I don't want to give the ocean of wealth to my children, which some people say, I don't want to leave money for my kids. Right? What happens to them? Nothing. The cycle restarts. Mm. And they will build their own lake, build their own river of income, build their own ocean of wealth. So just because you tell your children, I will not give you something, this flow of water does not change. You see, this is a natural phenomenon with wealth as well. Just because you say, I will stop it, doesn't stop it. Now, would you want your river of income to be variable, seasonal, or guaranteed? Guaranteed. But I thought you just said... <laughs> I know. But in, in, in thinking back, it's a smart choice. Just sit back and take the million a year. Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think your children want? Do they want the 10 million or do they want the million? million? The answer is we actually don't know. Now, what would I prefer to give to my children? The 10 or 1? I'll tell you what I would prefer. So this is my personal opinion, right? I would personally like to give the million to my kids for a very simple reason. If they blow the million this year, next year again they'll get a million. Yeah. So I know worst case scenario, they will get a million every year. Right. If I give them 10 and they blow the whole 10, now that's the fear on why families don't want to leave oceans of wealth for their children. Because their fear is they will just dry up the ocean and there's no lake and then there's no river. Exactly. and Trust funds that's dispersed. Correct. <laughs> I will pay, I'll give them the lump sum, I'll give them that whole asset and they will just blow off the asset. And True. So, we actually realized income is what makes you rich, not assets. So assets, valuation. So from an asset valuation, I will say, oh wow, his net worth is $10 million, $100 million. It sounds good. I told you, it's an ego booster. But I would rather have income. income. So I would have Absolutely. lesser assets, that's but a, more that's income. That's a brilliant story. It really is a good so story. So yeah. I love to have income rather than assets. And I would always focus on telling people, whatever you do in your life, focus on trying to get more and more income rather than building more and more assets. Use, get get into the habit of getting income and focusing on budgeting that income. And the simple rule for budgeting income is 80-20. Yeah. Oh, 50, 30, 50, 30, 20. 30, 20. I remember yes. that. I'm not forgetting that. Yes. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So before we just jump to our uh, next section, just one last question. Uh, because, you know, you're looked at as this financial guru. If you were in the elevator with someone and they knew they had just 30 seconds with you, what would be the one bit of financial advice that you would give them? I would give them the four rules of thumb. 
the 10 times of annual income for life insurance, 5 times of annual income for income protection, 20% going to your retirement, and 2 to 5% being saved for your kids' education. And the reason for that is these are the four DIY rules. Once you've done these four things, then you can sit with a professional to find out if you're close to the right number. Uh, the product choices, all of that becomes secondary. First, you need to know what the answer is. You will never lie to yourself, but you will probably lie to other people just to make sure that you have a good image or whatever. But you need to know what the rules are for yourself. Because the fundamentals. The fundamentals. It's like, how much water should you drink in yes. a day, right? Yeah. You should drink 8 to 10 glasses of water. Everyone knows that. It's a general rule of thumb. It's the same with financials. Uh, you should know the rules of thumb before you even sit down with a professional. Awesome. Uh, so, Sanjay, thanks for sharing uh, your story with us. You know, we truly believe that inspirational stories have the power to change lives. And simple you know, incidents that you give us or tips to follow, I think can really help our listeners to improve their lives. And that's why we also encourage people to share their own stories because you never know who can get inspired, you know, by a story. So thanks for that. So coming to our last and most anticipated section, Dare to Dream. So stories are good, uh, but that coupled with positive action is even better. So keeping this in mind, Sanjay, we challenge you to change the life of just one deserving member of our community by offering them a unique opportunity which is inspired by your world and your journey. So can you tell us what you came up with? Um, why don't we do this, right? Why don't we choose one person who has interacted with you on social media, who has a financial problem that they're not able to solve, uh, which could be very specifically to their budgeting issues or to their insurance, or they're having a problem with any of their insurance stuff or financial planning in general. Or debt, and, yeah. Or debt, and they are not able to handle it or they're not able to figure out if they've done the right thing and they just want somebody to have a look at it mm. from a very independent perspective and just give them advice, uh, which has no obligations to it. Why don't I do that for one of your listeners? Oh, that, that would be life-changing. Really and, uh, life you know, why don't I give 10 books mm. to 10 of your chosen uh, right. listeners? Okay. They get a copy of my 28,000 book. Yeah. We've already crossed 2.7 million copies. Uh, all the money from the book goes to charity. Mm. So awesome. oh, it's not my really business. Good. It's something yeah. I enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my ninth book launches hopefully in the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that. But 28,000 is a book that I think anyone can read. Mm -hmm. um, we don't sell it through any other place. We just sell it on my website. So it's on yeah. sanjatorani.com. But uh, 10 listeners will definitely get that for free. No, that That's awesome. So everyone, Sanjay is offering 10 listeners a free copy of 28,000. And as you've heard, it's sold 2.7 million copies. All you have to do is comment on our social media posts and share what is the best advice you've heard on our show today. Our Instagram and Facebook accounts are DubaiDreams.live. And even if you're not one of the lucky 10, I strongly recommend you buy Sanjay's books on SanjayTulani.com because not only could they change your life, but 100% of the money of the book sales is going to charity. Yeah, Sanjay, thanks so much for the offer. I think a lot of people are going to be you know, interested to reach out because like you said, it's not an easy topic for people to approach someone with when they have these problems. And having an opportunity to reach out to a seasoned professional like you who can show them a light at the end of the tunnel, I think will, will mean a lot to people. No, so no it's a pleasure. Like it's I really said, good. It's and, you know, we encourage people to write in and to go to our website, dubaidreams.live uh, slash dare to dream. And uh, hopefully you'll be on your way to solving your problems with Sanjay's help. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you for your time. It's been really interesting. Awesome, uh, yeah. chatting yeah. with you.
and yeah, i'm going to yeah, uh, come, come to you with my credit card, card soon <laughs> to get them cut <laughs> all right bye thank you all right thanks bye so guys we hope you enjoyed that episode we recorded this show at the amazing studio at mango jam right here in the heart of dubai mango jam has state of the art technology and an award winning team of musicians and sound engineers so if you want to check them out visit mangojam.ae and come by the cool space and have a chat with them We thank Mango Jam for supporting the show and helping us spread the dream. For now, it's Gaurav and Priya signing off and setting out to find our next dreamer to make your dreams come true. So until next time, share your own stories, stay inspired and never stop dreaming.